This is 937 a ticket. Look at me short. Look at me short. I'm the captain now. Three-time national champion Vershawn Jackson. Oh, got a bunch all alone is Vershawn Jackson. And Vershawn will get it to the 24-yard line. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Presented by Wingstop. Here he is, Vershawn Jackson. Ah, yeah! Yes, 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 yes. We are back. It is Monday, and I'm going to call this Meltdown Monday. Because <laughs> it's melting. I ain't melting. It's like being the snowman in a 100-degree. Keep the music playing, Bob. It's like being a snowman in a 100-degree weather. Frosty like, the snowman. I know. I ain't melting. I ain't melting. The meltdown <laughs> that was in Ireland, super meltdown. That's what's called a super meltdown. Listen, can't blame players. Players are doing what they're told to do. Players weren't told to go out there at 3 o'clock and practice. No, they're told to go inside. Okay? We look like a weak team. We look like a team that was gassed. And then we got demoralized by our own coach. Blow! You ever shot yourself, Terrell? No, don't want to. <laughs> listen, we're coming in hot. Today's show, I'm just, listen, it's the captain on the ticket. I got the black shirt with me. I got Coven with me. My bad. It's the captain. The black shirt. Coven. That's okay. That's what we got with us. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot, so we got a lot to get to. We're gonna take over the water cooler. You can already bet that it's going down. Cooler's going down. (laughs) Oh, it is okay. Yeah, the cooler's already (laughs) going down. I'm just telling you right now. Now, before I but here are the big red reaction rules. Okay? Facts first. Okay? I I get it. I get it. We want to deal in emotion. Wipe me up a little bit, can you? Or no? Am I widening up uh, as long as I can go? Okay, here we go. All right, that's good. We're not gonna if you if you if I allow you to rant, you better rant with some facts. Okay? Because I got a former I got some former players that's gonna come on. Okay? I got of course Adam Carricker is coming in about three minutes. We're gonna let him do his thing. Then we're gonna have Joe Walker at ten thirty. Then I think we're gonna have Keith McCann at eleven. I'm waiting for Red Baron to call me back now to see if I can get the Red Baron on as well. Okay? And we're this is this is a reaction hour. First of all, I want to hear the reactions of the former players because I want to see what guys have that have played the game at a high level. And let me say this. Let me be clear. Stop with the shenanigans talking about the championships. Teams don't matter. They do. Period. We do. Stop with the shenanigans. You know the problem, Bach, is they don't know their history. Starting with the top. Mr. Frost, don't necessarily know the history of Nebraska football. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because, because you got to explain to me there were some anomalies in the game that any football coach worth his salt can see. Start off with, 71, 71 plays by a defensive tackle. Terrell, help me. Yeah, defensive tackle should never play 71 plays, man. You got you to gotta switch these guys in and out. It's the first game of the season. They look tired from the get-go. You got you to gotta give these guys a break, you know. You got to give these guys some reps. You got to get a second-team guy some, 
some reps. We looked soft. We looked tired. We we didn't look pumped at all on defense. I don't know what went on, but you know, I can tell you what went on. You got tired. Must have been a bunch of partying in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Could have been. We Could've don't know. Been, yeah. Somebody that knows, I wanted to holler at Sip, and I know these guys know. Did they go out? Did they, were they looking at castles where they're up on their feet for the la- the first four days of them being in Ireland? Because they looked like they were in quicksand. From the first quarter, see, stop with the, 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 this, this notion that, oh, we got tired in the fourth quarter. No, we didn't. We missed tackles from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. Did yeah. you see it? Yes, that, that was poor tackling, you know. Uh, if I was the coaches, man, y'all would be outside right now hitting. You know, I don't, I don't know what what y'all do at practice, what they do at practice, because I know we hit, we hit three times, two times a week. So you got, if you're gonna be a great defense, especially in the Big Ten, you need to hit twice a week. Precursor, precursor, newsflash, spring game, no hitting. Yeah, spring game. That was two in touch. Listen, I drank the Kool Aid. I absolutely drank the Kool-Aid. I'm, I think we got a decent football team, but we are not, we are not to me, in the shape that we're supposed to be in. Or we went out there maybe drinking beer on Thursday or something. Maybe because beer was just in abundance, I would imagine, right? Oh, yeah. So maybe, free. free beer there for a while. It was free beer in Ireland. So maybe we were drinking beer on Thursday when we should have been getting our rest on Thursday because the most important day, Coach Osmond would say this all the time, right, Terrell? Yes, What's sir. the most important day of rest in the week playing a Saturday's football game? Thursday. Thursday. Get your legs back. Thursday. He says you can stay up all night on Friday, still play a good game. But if you don't sleep on Thursday, you're going to have a bad game on Saturday. So what was we up? What was we doing? Now, I'm going to bring in, we, we got to call, get, knock on the window, get Rico. We need to call Adam Carricker live real quick. Uh, Big Bro's calling me. I'm going I'm to take, put the, ter, ter, help me. What you need? What put you the need? mic to your mouth. What's up? I'm gonna need you to talk because I got, I got, I got. Well, I, I'll, I'll call him right back. I'll call so, him right back. So, Bob, what, 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 what's your take on the game, Bob? Uh, well, the onside kick is the one that, that sticks out more than anything <laughs> that you haven't mentioned yet. Uh, is just it, when you talk about, uh, I mean, not not having a, a, a heartbeat like, like this. That you said it in the in the post game. The captain uh, was that little league coaches wouldn't make that. That's just a lack of football IQ. And there's people out there that'll say, um, you know, if Nebraska would have got it, people would have said it was genius. No, I would still argue your risk, that's a, that the risk reward there is not anywhere close uh, to what it needs to be to take that take that chance. And from then on, I mean, in that, I mean, there needs to be like context involved there too. It's not just a bad call. It's that he had. Spent four years with awful special teams. It was going okay. All you have to do is stay out of your own way, and he has to jump in and make that call, uh, throw in the fact that the Isaiah Garcia Castaneda fumble. Was it a fumble, not a fumble? So they already had to overcome something, and he throws that in there too. Um, just it, And it looked like, to me, a guy that missed play calling, a guy that wanted to get his uh, some sort of stamp on the game. Yeah, I, I, he definitely got a stamp on the game, but – I, listen, I, I, we're gonna get more to the, the onside kick a little bit later. Yeah. But do we got the Road Warriors? Give me my give me my intro music for this guy. I need the intro music. I can't. I I will never introduce him without the music because the music the music is is the madness of Adam Carricker live. That's right. Adam Carricker is back. It's ten fifteen. It's Monday meltdown. 
Adam, give me, give it to us, Raw. You're everything. You go for whatever you know. You've got the floor. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, I've talked about it on some of you know my own shows, Gut Reaction, Character Lies, Sunday Night. It's been chatted about with other folks. You know, kind of in a nutshell, my take is started off on fire. I mean, the tempo, the accuracy from Casey Thompson, the formations. Like, I feel like every year, especially game one, we come out blazing. I remember a couple years ago against Ohio State, we came out blazing. You know, obviously Ohio State ended up winning that game. And, you know, even the first quarter of Illinois last year, we looked really good. The defense got like two sacks in the first quarter, and we were all over them. But every year, just the longer the game goes, especially after halftime, we just don't be, seem to be able to make those adjustments as well as the opposing coaching staffs do. And we've lost three straight openers, which is the first time that's happened to Nebraska since 1953, 54, 55. Ugh. You know, uh, I mean, that's rough. That's almost 70 years. And you look at Casey Thompson looked great for two and a half quarters. I think part of it was Northwestern made some decent adjustments. We couldn't run the ball consistently. Anthony Grant had, I think, 47-yard touchdown run or whatever it was. He kind of made it on his own. Like, he's a bright spot. If we can get him some holes, dude, he can make plays. And But the offensive line, early on, pass protected better, but couldn't get a consistent push the whole game. You know, with the special teams, I thought Brian Buschini punted well. I thought we did okay in some things. Obviously, the onside kick was not phenomenal. You look at the defense. I knew Northwestern's offensive line was really good. Four returning starters, a very likely top ten pick at left tackle. You know, we we have three guys at least who are supposed to be able to get after the quarterback. Clearly, we didn't win that battle. That hurt us, and it hurt the pass defense because guys were just open. And their quarterback, give him credit, man. He was making quick reads. He was accurate. He did it for well. He didn't have to do it for four full quarters because come the fourth quarter. They pushed us around. We were tired. We were we were exhausted, and they just ran the ball. I think for exactly one million plays in a row because we didn't make them pass or stop or tackle very well. So there were some pluses. Most of the pluses were early on. Uh, as the game wore on, the pluses went the way of Northwestern. That's kind of my take in a, in a brief nutshell. I, I like that. But now let me ask you some questions. Can you leave a top ten tackle uncovered? I'm just wondering, you play defense, you're a defensive tackle, defensive lineman. Can you leave number 77 uncovered 50% of the time where there's no one over him? I mean, you have to have a balanced rush. You got to be bringing guys from both sides. Somebody's got to have contain. You got to be able. I mean, I saw the announcers the one time. They were trying to give Garrett Nelson some love on a particular pass rush on TV. And then as the play unfolded, I mean, he did fine, but he actually didn't touch the quarterback on that particular play. And I think the announcers were trying to look for something positive. But in the pass rush department, and Garrett's, he's going to have a good year. But in this particular game, nobody got after the quarterback well as a defensive unit at all. At all. Did you did you watch well, – first of all, what number did you wear at Nebraska, Adam? 90. Okay. I'm glad you said that because Neil Smith wore that number too. And and you're the most current number ninety really to really do something in that number, right? So I'm just trying to figure out something. Did you watch number ninety play? A little it, bit. Listen, the man never moved out of spot. 
Who's number he 90? never – I don't even know who number 90 is. I, I'm just telling you, must have been one of the new guys. Devin Drew, who is it, Bach? Come it's on, Bach. Stephon Wynn, yeah. Perfect. Stephon Wynn never moved out of his spot all the, the, the entire day that he was in the game. He never moved. Never. He stood the, – the entire defensive line stood up. This is yeah. – we, we missed tackles in the first quarter. I mean, I went back and watched the game twice. Because I wanted to be sure that I saw what I thought I saw. And, Adam, I saw a team, first of all, that got up 14 points in the first half. Somehow, some way, we couldn't tackle. We forgot to tackle. It was playing the spring game again. Do you think the spring game was a precursor to what we saw on the field? So I, I I brought up the spring game in a tweet and Facebook post during the game because somebody asked me, why do you think we're not tackling? And I quote tweeted it, and I even screenshotted it and put it on Facebook and said spring game all over again. And I think people kind of misunderstand what I'm saying when I'm talking about the spring game, and maybe you feel the same way because people look at me like, like I'm crazy. Like, why are you bringing up the spring game? It's months later. It was one glorified practice way back in April or May, and I tried to explain it in my gut reaction because, to me, it's, it's one practice, but it's a big practice. It's an important practice, and it should be as much of a game-like atmosphere as you can make it because it's the only chance you have. It's your only preseason game that you get, whether people realize that or not, because you don't get one until you step foot on the field game one in college football. So I've always thought – First of all, I've always thought it'd be great to go against another team, but that's a topic for another day. It should always be treated as much like a game as possible. But what it is, it's an indicator to me of how they approach physicality. Two years in a row, we've had two hand-touch football for at least a half in the spring game. And that drives me nuts because you can't tell me that's the only time they approach physicality like that. You can't tell me it's a one-time deal when it's a deal that should be treated like a game. It's a mentality, it's approach, and it's a premier example of what has to be taking place at other times. And if you don't believe me or Vershawn or whoever else mentions this, just watch how we don't tackle great and how we don't block great, how we get out-blocked, out-tackled, and out-footballed. And that's what drives me nuts about the spring game, and that's why I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, I mean, we were. I mean, it was a waste of time for former players that put on the pads at Nebraska. That spring game was a waste of time. You just better off playing uh, flag football and let us see the boys run and 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 jump and do what they have to do. Do you think not practicing in the heat has something to do with the conditioning of our guys? I mean, anytime you practice in hotter weather or. You know, if you live in Colorado or Utah at altitude, those things are going to affect your conditioning. So when I was training in the offseason, because when you're, as you know, when you're in the NFL, you kind of, you got five weeks off before two-a-days, back when you could do two-a-days. So you were supposed to, you were on your own. And so for me, I would, I'd wear a sweatshirt, I'd wear a stocking cap when I ran, and I would go run in the hottest part of the day. And then... I would get in the car, drive to the gym, Gold's Gym, where I worked out, and I would crank it as hot as it would possibly go. I walked into Gold's before I'd ever lifted a, a single weight, dripping wet with sweat. I wasn't the most popular guy in there because of that, but I tried to clean up after myself. But I tried to be as hot as I possibly could because I knew when I went back to Virginia, Ashburn, where we, we 
we had our two-a-days or our camp at the time for Shanahan and what was then the Redskins and now the Commanders, I knew it was going to be hot and it was going to be humid. That was the only way that I could mimic what I was going to face there. So if you're not doing that, to me, that's an advantage you can have, even if you go play in a climate where it's not as hot and it's not as humid. Now you're going to be less tired because you're used to something that's more difficult. Do you, Terrell, and let me bring you into Terrell because I want to ask both of you guys of black shirts. Terrell, you said something last week to me, and I, I'm, I'm going to apologize to you now because I should have listened to you because you are a black shirt. You said there's no way that you give nine players black shirts. All 11 guys should have black shirts if they're going to go out there as a starting defense for Nebraska. Adam, I'm going I'm to I'm throw it. Let Terrell answer, but I want you to answer the same question. Do you think that O'Shawn not having a black shirt has something to do with the lackluster play? Well, he had 10 tackles. So it, he had and, 10 tackles, but, but you he had 10 you, tackles yeah, in down, the, down the field. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like I said before, man, I'm still a fan of 11 black shirts on the field at the same time. And I don't know how other guys feel, but that's my take on it. And, um, and yeah, I don't. I don't think it's, you know, he didn't play well. Nobody played well on that line. As a whole group, they didn't play well. You know, I don't know how they feel, but, you know, taking black shirts back is not a thing. So you have to move on from this. And you got to get these guys ready for the next game. You know, they got to, they got to, they, you know, somebody got to call the team meeting, the defensive meeting. Mm. You know, you get in the defensive meeting, no coaches, and you lay it all out. Like, guys, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stay out there. We're going to do tackling drills. You got to do something, you know. Tackling was – mind-boggling to me. i never seen so many guys that missed tackles that was right in front of their face. Pass drops was soft. You know, as a, as a unit, they got to get better at a lot of things before the end of this season for a big turnaround. Adam? So, for me, as far as the the question about O'Shawn specifically, he did have 10 tackles. And when I looked at the stat sheet, I was like, huh, <laughs> I missed them. So I went back and I watched the game, too, and, and you're right. They're down the field. I guess he's making them. If he doesn't make them, they get more yards, or at least there's that. But, you know, for me, if if I'm a guy who's starting or wanting to start or think I should have a black shirt and I don't have it, to me, that would be even more motivating to try to go get it. So if for some reason, in my opinion, you know, him not having a black shirt had a negative impact on his play, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I would I'd be like, got to get tougher mentally and got to want it more. That would be my personal response, but everybody's different. But you know what? You guys ever seen a dancing bear? You ever seen a dancing bear? Yogi. Hey, listen, we have five dancing bears out there on the defensive line dancing and trying to figure out instead of going to the quarterback how to get to the quarterback. They were out there dancing with the with the the, the uh, tackles and the tight ends, bro. I seen more Huskers on their backsides, meaning getting flat backed. We got hit in the mouth. Let me ask you this, character. Have you ever seen a defensive back or anybody on the football team? No. Let me let me rephrase this question. Do you hit harder with your mouthpiece in or out? In. Yeah. I mean, you, for me, I, I'd hit I hit the same no matter what. But yeah, in is what makes logical sense. So explain to me why your starting defensive backs all had their mouthpiece hanging out like some idiots. So I mean, to your point, it. To me, again, it speaks to a mentality of I don't plan on hitting as hard, ergo I don't need the mouthpiece. Either that or I just don't like my teeth. 
But most people, it means I don't plan on hitting that hard. I don't need my mouthpiece in. That's how I would take it. And you can't blame the young men. They're being young men. You got to blame the guy, the adults in the room, coaches. Yeah, you got to blame whoever's coaching them. Put your mouthpiece in. Yeah. You tell me, uh, sir. If listen, character, I ain't the biggest guy, but one thing I'll do, I'll get after you. Okay. And let me tell you something. If some little chump had his mouthpiece out dealing with me, I promise you, I might break his jaw. Now you do have an Adrian Martinez problem. Okay. <laughs> I might just break his jaw. Only because I know he can't hit hard. You can't clench your teeth that hard. Your teeth might be missing. So all I'm saying is, it's those things for me. It's the small things. It's the things that matter that we should be getting coached up. That as former players, now I'm speaking as a former player, there's things that just is not to be done on the Nebraska football field. Period. Adam, give me your last. Give me your last. Your your last impressions on this game and then kind of look next look the next week if we can get to next week I mean the final impression on this game they were tougher uh, physically mentally and more physical and more physical throughout the entirety of the game and as the game wore on it became more and more evident so for me looking forward and we can't look past anybody you know North Dakota Georgia Southern if I'm a if I'm a coach, and this should have been done before game one, we all know that. That's why the spring game drives me nuts. I'm going to do something that's a bit unorthodox, a bit unusual, because we have to. And again, this should have been done at the spring game. This should have been done more leading up to this point, but we're at this point. Okay, We can only make the bed that we're currently in, not the one we slept in three nights ago. So for me, I'm going to be like, you know what? We're not tackling well enough. We're not blocking well enough. And we're not physical and strong enough at the point of attack. So I'm not going to disrespect North Dakota and Georgia Southern, okay, because we can't afford to overlook anybody. Mm. But I'm going to, as if I was a coach, I wouldn't say this to the players, I'd just say it to my staff. I'm going to look at this as a three-week project, okay? I am going to do way more. You normally don't do a lot of scrimmaging leading up to a game on Saturday. We're going to do live tackling. We're going to do scrimmaging. Okay, we're not going to do two-hand touch. And we're going to do a lot more of it. Now, in a perfect world, our starters shouldn't have to play much in the fourth quarter of the next couple of weeks, so we can be more physical in practice. Also, with the Week Zero game, one thing I like is down the road you get an extra bye week. So if they get a little bit beat up right now, that's fine. They can, they can make it up later during that extra bye week. We're going to do more blocking, more live tackling, more scrimmaging, and instead of doing an in-season maintenance weight program, okay? because you and I know once you start practicing and you start playing games, you get a little beat up, so you just try to maintain your strength throughout the season. We're not going to do that for the next couple of weeks, getting into the, getting ready for Oklahoma. Again, not overlooking or disrespecting our opponents in the meantime, but we're going to lift heavy. And we're going to lift as heavy as we can because we obviously are not where we need to be. And then let's take care of business the next two Saturdays, and let's be much more prepared to play regular football against good teams than we are right now and it's unusual it's unor- it's unorthodox i doubt if we do it i doubt if most people would do it but i would look at where we're at if i was the coach and i say you know what i didn't get us ready to this point i've got to do something unusual outside the box because four years and one game in we haven't been physical enough and we've got to take a different approach and it might be a little risky but it is what it is that's what i would do how do you recover if you scott frost how do you recover from this you go out and you win the next two games and then you go out and you beat oklahoma yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> what else is to be said at this? I mean, I think the the call for his his head and call for his job. I mean, at this point, is kind of far fetched. You know what I mean? Not that it couldn't happen, but that may lead to more turmoil than good at this process. Or I just don't know if that's the right call right now. I think we've got to see if. Let me stop. <laughs> I gotta stop, right? <laughs> Adam, come on, man. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna be quiet. Adam. Video. Hey, there's a video out there by a guy named John Johnson. Okay, with 45,000 views, and the headline is "Fire Scott Frost," and he talks about it throughout the entirety of the video. Have you seen that video on YouTube? I have. So when I saw it, and this is not the first time he's done that. He actually did it at the end of last year. Um, he has some he has some interesting videos after after games. And he did it at the end of one of the video, uh, one of the games last year. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Even after Saturday's game, I was like, okay, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously getting traction for me because I asked on my show last night, last night, Carrico Live. I said, you know, do you think Scott Frost should be fired? And I would say seventy-five percent of the answers were no. There was the occasional yes, and I even asked about Zach Duvall. I mean, our strength and conditioning hasn't been there. You know, I want him to work out. I want Scott to work out. But if I'm going to ask about one guy, it seems fair to ask about him too. And the overwhelming response was no. And then obviously I gave my take. And my take was this. I said, if, unless we lose to North Dakota or Georgia Southern, they need to be here going into Oklahoma. Now, let's say we play Oklahoma tough. We lose. We're 2-2. Two and two, Or we win, obviously, or we get blown out. Things change. But for the sake of conversation, let's say it's close we lose, whatever, we're 2-2 two and two headed into the Big Ten play. The next two opponents are teams we should beat, Indiana and Rutgers. We should be 4-2 and two after six games. And if we're not, if we're 3-3 three and three, or, God forbid, any worse, then we're at the halfway point of the season, four and a half years in, there's a different discussion to be had. But my, my thought was kind of what you said. After one game, I know we're four years and one game in, but after one game with a bunch of new, new players, new coaches, I thought it was a bit early, too. Do you do you put a Caleb Tanner against one of the best offensive lines in college football? Do you put him up against him and tell him to hold up to the run? So coming into this season, and I, I did a video, I don't know, last spring, where I talked about all the different things they could do after O'Shawn Mathis committed. You know, they can line up in this formation, and they can line up this way defensively, and this guy can stunt, and this guy can blitz, and this guy can cover, and this guy can drop. And there's all these different things you can do. And I believe I mentioned it then, and it's been my concern up until now. When we have those edge rushers, I mean, Nelson is a weight room beast, but I believe he's 245. Tanner, I believe, is 220, 230. I think O'Shawn Mathis is somewhere in there as well. Like, they're under 250, maybe 250 at the most. So we've got some lighter guys coming off the edge. And if we're getting pressure on the quarterback, you can almost live with it, especially if you're stunting and blitzing and confusing some of these big old linemen. But if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, the concern already is how are we going to stop the run with these lighter guys? And I think that's a little bit of what's shown through on Saturday as well. We are light at certain spots, and stopping the run could be an issue, and it definitely was Saturday, especially late in the game. Let me ask this question because this is kind of a banana in the room question too. Just if you if you don't have Scott, who do you who who do you hire at Nebraska? Who's who's gonna want that? Who who's who's gonna not? I can't say who's gonna want it because there's a lot of people that take that job. Believe me. But who? Where's who? What's some names? Hmm. 
So first of all, I've heard elephant in the room. What's a banana in the room? What does that mean? I've never heard that before. <laughs> That's a new one for me, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, character. It we do you okay? So let me let me give you all another scenario because we seem to think we seem to think that the defense played well. They gave up 500 and something yards of offense, and we seem to think that we. As a defense, play well. First of all, who was we? I'll go back to the yeah, well, who was we? Yeah, who was <laughs> we? The black shirt. Who was we? Yeah, I guess. I, mean, that, that I was, guess I should ask you guys. That, that, did we that, play well? No. What, what is your? Give me your grade, Terrell Farley. You as well. Give me your grade on the defense. Well, I, I would probably get them a C minus. You know, I won't. You know, first game of the year. You know, we got to get a push up front, man. It, it starts with the front seven. You know, tackling was not. It, it was tackling was the weakest I ever seen it. You know, you put the secondary in a jam by, you know, not you know the, it was just a, a debacle out there. It was just it was, it was not Nebraska defense out there. You know, this is not how we was played as units from years ago with Adam. Them I know they was physical. This defense was not physical. There was not tackling. There was everybody looked tired out there. Um, I think. Just overall, it wasn't a great day for the defense. Character. Yeah, I agree with him. I mean, for me, you know, the run defense, especially, it just drove me nuts that they just kept running the ball, running the ball, and we knew they were going to run the ball. We just couldn't stop it. They don't even run the option. It's just power right, power left, counter right, counter left. There's nothing fancy. That drove me nuts. Uh, I guess D-plus, if I want to be nice, you know, the pass <laughs> defense, I mean, they. No disrespect to Northwestern, and maybe they're going to come out this year, be nine and three in the Big Ten championship game. Because every other year they they kind of struggle, and every other year they're in the Big Ten championship games. But coming into this game, you looked at who they had, and they've got some some talent, but they didn't have any barn burners, any any guy guys who were just going to run right past you. But they had guys wide open, and their quarterback made quick, fast reads because the guys were open quickly. So to me, I'd give it a D minus. So probably. I don't know. I'm not being as kind, I guess, but somewhere along the lines of the D, when you give up well over 500 yards to a team that isn't supposed to be great offensively, and we they they hadn't put up anywhere near that many yards against Nebraska for like four or five years, you know, to me it, it's a D for the defense. Yeah, I, Big Ten bully ball is what I like to call it because anytime you have a time of possession of 34-12 versus 25 minutes, that's almost a whole 10 minutes. You held the ball – away from the opponent. That means you were playing bully ball. And the fact that we couldn't get off blocks, we couldn't we could not stop, we couldn't tackle. And then let me go back to the first quarter. Do you remember when we gave up the 41-yard uh, uh touchdown pass? Yeah. Yeah, he was wide open. Okay. Where was the safeties? Who who told that safety first of all they were in a pass set? What key did he see that made him Jump. I don't even know what he jumped. I'm just wondering. Where are our keys at? Aren't there keys for a linebacker that you pay attention to? Yeah. I just seen linebackers at the end of the game just saying, forget it, just go. I'm just going to go hit something. You seen safeties. I'm just going to go in here and hit something. There was no rhyme or reason to what they were doing. And so I'm just trying to figure out how are we in year five and we still are out there like we don't know what we're doing as a defense. 
that come from coaching. You know, like most of the plays I've seen on the linebackers, they should have been putting hands on the outside receiver. You know, you never let – they teach you to never let a receiver run downfield free. You know, you get a hand on them, jam them, and still get you to your drop. And that gives the safety time to, to get on top of them. Or it even helps the safety out. So, you know, it goes with coaching. Every, the everyday fundamentals is what we did not do on the field Saturday. Kerker, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to break, but before we do, give me the, give me any last-minute thoughts and, and, and remember to throw the bones. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a really tough loss. You know, the off-season Kool-Aid was strong. My <laughs> wife, after the game, she jokes, she goes, now we need to spike the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I thought that was a little funny. Um, you know, and there weren't very high expectations for Northwestern. You know, Herb Street even came out and predicted this, you know, win the Big Ten West and all that. You know, last year, or uh, last week, I predicted this 28-21 and I fl- to win, and I flat out said, I don't know what's going to happen. How can anybody know what's going to happen every year? We have way more talent than everybody else in the Big Ten West, and yet we've seen what happens. So we're supposed to beat this team by two touchdowns. They're not supposed to be great. We have this infusion of talent, which is legit and more experience, but a lot of newness. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Dude, I got crap, a lot of crap from people for predicting such a close score. And I just, I didn't get it. I didn't think we'd lose. I really didn't. But I was like, how can you predict a blowout when you have no freaking clue what's going to happen? So for me, it's a tough loss because the Kool-Aid was flowing strong. It is fun to drink it in the off season. I mean, I want to drink it. It's more fun than, you know, being in the doldrums. It tastes so good. Oh, man. As far as going forward... So you know, you got to win the next two games. I think you got to take a much more physical approach if you're the coaches. And then we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. This It's in Lincoln. This is a talented Husker team. Are we a good football team? I don't know. But this is – Oklahoma's always talented. But in my opinion, this is the least amount of talent they've had in a while. And barring special teams, again, last year, we would have beat them in Norman. So maybe, maybe you win the next two, maybe you make some improvements, and maybe you can shock the world now, just like Northwestern shocked us, and maybe you can get a big win versus Oklahoma. All right, that's for me, that's what I'd be looking at if I'm the coaching staff. And even as a, a former player and, and, and a fan now, that's kind of what my eye is on. And we'll see what happens. Hey, Adam, hold on. i got to ask one more. Right? I mean, again, the banana in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's a gorilla outside. No, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> the banana in the room wants to know, what's your take on the – what did the onside kick call do to the team? You know, I heard you guys talking about it as I was coming on. Um, you know, we were up 14-3 to at one point. Then we had another double-digit lead, 28-17. We had just scored on two straight touchdown drives. And I even said to my son, I'm like, we're about to run them out the building. Yes. Like, we had the momentum. We were rolling. Um, their offense was moving the ball, but at that point it was nothing crazy. It was more or less the blown coverage that left the guy wide open, in my opinion, uh, based on my lack of coverage expertise. And I was like, here we go. Now we're looking like what we can look like. And when the onside kick happened, I, my son stood up, 13, looked at me and his mouth about hit the floor. Like, he couldn't believe it. And I did this. I didn't stand up. I was still in my chair. But I did the same. And I think the entire Nebraska team did the same. Like, it just killed the momentum. 
because we never looked the same again. We never scored again. And Northwestern basically took the short field. Uh, uh, an offense that can move the ball, obviously, but isn't insanely explosive. Okay, instead of making them go long field after long field, they took advantage of, what, a 40-yard field, took it in and scored, and we never looked the same again. And frankly, neither did Northwestern, but in a much more positive manner for them and not so much for us. Adam, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you. It's Adam Carricker live. Hey, don't forget to throw the what? Bones. The bones, baby. <laughs> Appreciate that. Talk to you next week, Adam. Hey, right, it's so. the captain, the ticket. I'm with the black shirt. I'm with Coven. 93.7. We'll be right back.